You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hello, Kelly. Hi, Connor. Is that how you started your interviews when you did TV interviews? Hello, Kobe. <laughs> Welcome to Lake Show. Hello, yeah, Magic. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing today, sir? You never saw my sit-down interview with Magic. No, no, I need to look that up. It's probably on YouTube somewhere. It's got to be. It's yeah. so great. Everything's on YouTube. So magical. Or somewhere. It's somewhere in my the world. My interview with Magic was magical. I'm sure it was. He <laughs> seems like a really nice guy. He is. Um, I loved him in South Park, by the way. I wish he would have voiced himself. Magic was in South Park? Did well, they, they do an AIDS thing, show? It was an AIDS thing oh. where, uh, so Cartman somehow gets AIDS mm. and then gives Kyle AIDS. And then they figure out that the only way to cure AIDS is money. And they do like a money oh, infusion. So they I take, think I did see they take, that. Yeah, we watched yeah, that together. Yeah, yeah. They like take all the money and put it in a thing and like infuse it into like an injection. Correct. <laughs> yeah, that was a great show. Because he never, he never went full blown AIDS. He just had HIV, right? They were talking about I believe so. Show. Yeah. Because yeah. he caught it and treated it and yeah, Super had early. a lot of money. So, well, this is going to be fun. This is I haven't interviewed someone in a long time. I know. Do you remember how? I don't think so. All Connor does is talk about himself and a bunch of fucking dumbass people in politics. I, I talk about myself very little now. <laughs> I talk about myself to you and to other people in my real life, but this not on the show. This is correct. <laughs> that is correct. I miss Chris Farley. <laughs> we're all over the place today. Yeah. So you're ending your show, apparently. Apparently. I was not allegedly. in support of this. Well, you weren't initially, but yes. then... I came to you again and I said, this is how I'm feeling. You act, you act, you're acting like I have any influence over what you do with your podcast. You do. I would have stopped it six months ago. Well, literally told everyone the only reason I'm still idea. doing this is because Connor was like, you can't stop. Well, your show. it made sense to me that, you know, that I, mean, I started this, a production this, company for yeah, podcasts and, and I need to have like, a podcast. It kind of is. And yeah. But at the same time, it, it was more like Give yourself some time to think about it before you pull the trigger on something is more what I was getting at. Yeah, it was a very like definite emotional time for me because when I said it out loud in that mastermind, if for people who have been listening to the show, they already know the story, but I was in a mastermind and I was with all these amazing women. And one day we said, um, everyone in the group got to share what's the one thing that you're doing that's in your life right now that you don't want to do anymore. And then what's the thing that you really want? And so we all went around in a circle and it came to me and I, it just hit me like a shit ton of bricks. And I was like, I don't want to have a podcast anymore. And everyone started clapping. Multiple people in this mastermind are clients of ours at Soulfire. And to have that response from them was so powerful for me. And then they said, what's the one thing you do want? And I just broke down in tears and I was like, I want to be a mom. <laughs> and so that's where this all kind of stemmed from. And so when I came to you with that, I hadn't really thought through anything. I was just like, I have to tell Connor. And you were like, um, I don't think this is a good idea. So I waited, you know, about six more months and I kind of had a more of a plan. And what I realized too, is that soul fire is not just about me anymore. In the, in the beginning, it very much was people came because they wanted to work with me and because they wanted, you know, I want to do what Kelly's doing and that's all great and amazing. But we have so many incredible clients. Now we have, you know, 35, 40 shows that we work with that are so successful, that are hosted by the most incredible, inspiring people that I could think of. People come because of that now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think because I'm not at the center of this Soulfire universe, um, it's not a problem for me to take a step back. And that being said, we're keeping OK Babe, which is our show together. If anyone hasn't listened to that. Um, and you're still, so in, I still have a show. you're immersed in the in the podcast world. I mean, when you hit me with that, I was like, well, probably not a good idea. But now when I think about it, 
and just had to sit with it because it was kind of a out of nowhere for me. Mm-hmm. Um, which very few things are when it comes to our relationship yeah. slash business stuff. Uh, you're still immersed in the in the podcast world, and I think honestly, when you don't have your own show, you do get a chance to be more objective, which I yes. think is what people really need from you slash want from you, anyways, because you did the thing right. You like took a podcast from nothing with a decent audience and turned it into what I mean, what most podcasts will never be. Right. And that's the thing that people don't understand is that most podcasts aren't girls got to eat and the Joe Rogan experience. Right. You know, most of them are getting, you know, if you're getting four digits in your download. You're like, okay, great. Like this is, this is working. Yeah. So when you get to the point where you're doing, you know, routinely doing six, seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 downloads in an episode, like that's, that's success mm-hmm. in this world, but people don't think about it that way. They think about it as you're getting seven figure contracts from, <laughs> from, from, from Spotify, yeah. which isn't really necessarily the case. So super, I mean, it's really interesting, but I think it's going to give you a place to actually do the, like focus on the work that is Soulfire, which has become a bigger part of this whole thing. So when I think about it from us meeting and you doing your, uh, if the funny thing was like your <laughs> old, your first podcast, which I wasn't around for these, but your first like kind of attempt at podcasting was very much, it reminds me of like an Oprah interview or like a, an actual sit down interview that you would see on TV. Yeah. Lavalier that's mics, how I knew how to do it. Lavalier mics, chairs, lighting, camera, like it's all this stuff where for a lot of us, it was, you know, for me, I mean, I just saw in my little, um, we were looking through my like rewind stories or whatever, yeah, yeah. which Instagram doesn't let me post for some reason because I'm a thought criminal, mm-hmm. but it was, I, I did a, po- I was doing podcasts in coffee shops. That's where I was getting started. Wow. Because I just had to have a meeting place. I didn't want people coming to my house and I would just do, and it was cool. And the background noise was kind of part of it. And we had headsets and we just went to it, you know, got found a corner that was as quiet as we could, but there was like people chatting in the background and like cars driving, but it was like, that was what it was. And people yeah. liked it for that, but it was very much like our, our entry points to this thing were so different. Yeah. Which was cool, I thought, because I got shit canned for my job where I had a podcast like studio and stuff to be like, okay, you can figure this out on your own. I'm like, I don't know how <laughs> to do totally. it. So um, it's funny to see how, how, how the difference, how much it's changed. And it seems like you kind of start taking it a little bit easier as time went on, right? Like yeah. it was, and I think that helped a ton. But for you, from inception to, you know, completion, I guess, what's changed? Oh my God, what hasn't changed? (laughs) That's funny you bring that up. You know, I was super fortunate. I made a shit ton of money in television. So when I left my job and my career of 13 years or whatever and leaving, you know, interviews like Kobe and Magic and Landon Donovan and Candace Parker and, you know, some of the most famous um, successful athletes in the world. Candace Parker in the WNBA? Yeah. Okay. I don't remember her name for some She was the best. Love her so much. Um... But when I was doing that, you know, there was a ton of money in it and lights, camera, action, you know, live TV, millions of dollars going into sets, all these things. And that's how I was raised, you know, and that's how I learned how to interview. And I looked to people like Oprah um, and Diane Sawyer and all these amazing interviewers who sat down and they did so much research and they came up with like these poignant questions and were so serious. And I was not always serious. Um, I think I was more fun than I realized, but 
I was I definitely... did see you with the soccer. The soccer thing was pretty funny. When yeah. you were like trying to learn how to play soccer, oh, which God. is not having watched you play any sport other than volleyball is very entertaining. Yeah. Um, with <laughs> Jossie, yeah, Jossie was, was played for the galaxy and he tried to teach me how to play soccer. I had my own little um, online television show with the galaxy soccer team. And so we would do these like little 10 minute episodes. And it was so funny. That was a highlight for sure. But I came into podcasting and I'm super fortunate because I had a lot of money. And so I was able to do things on a higher level. I had really nice equipment. I was buying thousand dollar lights, cameras. My dad was working for me when I started. Um, I hired him and he filmed everything and he did all the audio stuff for me. And so I definitely came into podcasting in a very different situation than many people. And I also came into it very fucking serious. Like I wrote everything down because all I had known was scripts my whole life. Like, of course you ad lib things on TV, especially in live TV, things go wrong, but very much like reading off a teleprompter. And so that's just the vibe I brought into it. And this is very much like pre-awakening Kelly. (laughs) And so I was just such a perfectionist and super controlling and things had to look a certain way. And I just wanted everyone to think that I was the best ever. And you're right. I think over the last four years, I've really released a lot of that. And I realized that perfect is not relatable. One, it doesn't exist. And also it doesn't create genuine community. And that's really what I did the podcast Mm -hmm. for at the end of the day, because when I started the platform podcast, which was the initial name, um, for the first year and a half or something, um, I created it because I had healed from chronic illness And I had a lot of resources and I knew a lot of people and I wanted to create a place where people could come for alternative medicine, resources, doctors, conversations that were supportive to them. And it's, it really expanded from there. And I realized that creating genuine community means I need to be relatable. I need to be myself. I don't need to try and be Oprah. I don't need to try and be someone else. And I'm not sitting down with Magic Johnson anymore. You know, I'm sitting down with my doctor, Dr. Lekos, who's talking about how he sent me to a shaman the first time I met with him. (laughs) Like those were the conversations I was having or women who were also really sick. And I think that that was one of the biggest lessons for me was just to be my fucking self because that's what people needed to hear. So I feel like, yeah, that's, that's a huge part of what's changed. Yeah, I feel like it's a pretty common transition in podcasting too, or just in public persona anyways, because you have like your idols, mm-hmm. which consciously or unconsciously you kind of emulate. Mm-hmm. And then you realize that you're just parroting someone else. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta start doing your other thing, which I think in TV, you kind of have to do that, especially as a woman in the in sports. There's only a handful of people. Totally. Like what, three, four at that time? Well, no, there was a lot of women in television. I mean, but I'm talking like as far as... Like like super high everyone would know yeah like the hannah storms of the world yeah yeah like people that you see like i see all the time you know that i would like see on monday night football or saturday night or saturday saturday college football like all that kind of stuff yeah there's only there was yeah it was like the the boys and then like the token chick yeah well and i think that's one of the one of the reasons i left tv and started my own show well there's two big reasons is I kept pitching shows to my bosses and they kept turning me down. The only thing that I ever got through was the mini like episodes with the galaxy that were online that we did play on TV um, during like halftime and all these different things, which was great. But I had so many amazing ideas and not to toot my own horn, but they were really amazing ideas. And by the way, Magic Johnson requested to have me interview him. He refused to talk to anyone else. So my access to these people was way 
more than most people at my job, mm. which is hysterical because I was 25 fucking years old <laughs> and I didn't know shit about shit, but they liked me and they trusted me and they mm. knew that I was the real deal and they wanted to talk to me. So I came up with all these ideas and I just kept getting turned down and I was like, well, fuck, I want to do this a different way. I want to talk about what I want to talk about. Mm. You know, I want to talk about like what these guys are going through that no one else is talking to them about that. They willingly just offer up to me in the middle of the clubhouse because they don't have another person to talk to who actually cares about them. So that's one of the big reasons that I left. Um, fuck. What was the other thing I was going to say? What were you saying? There's I only a few women that do it. And- oh, and the other thing was Samantha Ponder, um, who a, a lot of people probably know now. She's one of the biggest faces at ESPN at the time she had just been starting out. And I was friends with her when she was nobody. We were both nobodies like starting out in TV. She was at Fox sports, like local and she has worked her way up and she really was such an amazing mentor and friend to me. And she told me a lot about inside information within the industry that she knew and what was going on with women. And um, I was so appreciative of that, but she really showed me that you don't have to do things like everyone else and that you don't have to pair other people. Sam did it differently than anyone else in the business. She also took her daughter on the road with her after having a (laughs) child. Um, Scout was on set at college game day and she really paved the way. And even though I'm in podcasting and not in sports anymore, she paved the way for me to understand I don't have to parrot anyone else. I get to really be myself. And that's, that's what my value is. And so I'm so grateful that she sat me down in her fucking kitchen one day and was like, yo, I got to tell you the truth and just laid out all these things. I was like, mind blown. And I was still working for the Dodgers. I was at, um, spring training in Arizona Mm -hmm. when I saw her. And I still carry that with me to this day. And it's a huge part of how I've created the show and soul fire and all these different things. So what about that? Right. So we're like going way back in the way back machine here. (laughs) What about what you did with the Kelly would end up being the Kelly show was the same. And what was different from the beginning, from the beginning of your public life? When I was in TV, you mean? Yeah. I mean, you, oh. like you have a pub, like you, yeah. you've since, and we both were like this, like from early on, you're, you had a public persona. Yeah. Since I was like, 13. yours was much bigger than mine, but like, yeah, well, I mean, but like, as I wouldn't consider an athlete, is the same thing, right? Yeah. I would say when you step in front of a camera and you are interviewing or you're doing whatever, yeah, whether that's this camera that we have in the studio right here or, you know, a, a proper TV camera, like there's, you have a perfect public Persona, right? You, yeah. you have, you are a public figure in some form or fashion, or you're trying to be. So, what is what's the same and what's different about the Kelly Show and early me at 21? Yeah, Kelly, mid mid 20s, Kelly doing her thing. Yeah, yeah, because I started working for ESPN at 21 as soon as I graduated, which was great. Um, God, everything's different. I so it's so funny to me because most of the people in my life, including you, don't know me before. And that's so bizarre. And I did that kind of on purpose. It's part of why I wanted to leave LA so badly is because I just didn't want to be that version of myself anymore. Yeah. My entire 20s was really about validation seeking and attention seeking. Everything I did and whether it was relationships, work, friendships, anything was all wrapped into how much validation can I get from this? And it was really dark and it was really uh, very much in a state of people pleasing and manipulation. And I really wanted to live up to 
everyone else's expectations. But at the end of the day, I realized that there were my own expectations that were super unrealistic because again, it was back to that perfection. And I, I mean, my mom's not here anymore, but if you asked her, she would say that from age two on, I was like this. I've always been like this. Perfect Kelly was my nickname my parents gave me. I always just had to do things right. I had to exceed expectation. I had to be the best at any cost. I would cut people down. I broke girls' noses. I did all this crazy (laughs) shit, especially in volleyball, to be the best. And so I think I was just in a constant rat race and a Mm. constant state of needing to prove myself. Look how amazing I am. Look how hot I am. Look at how successful I am. Look at my Mercedes. Look at my Louis Vuitton. Look at my Manolos. Like how much can I flash in your face to prove to you that I'm not only the best, but I'm better than you. And I don't feel like I live like that at all anymore. And it's really funny because the last four years, um, really since I left my job and started the show and, you know, broke up with my boyfriend and had an abortion and did all these things, everything has changed. And I've really come to a place and the Kelly show has evolved into a place of deeper seeking and genuine radical honesty. And I'm not afraid for people to see me in my darkest places, in my lowest lows. I'm not afraid to admit my mistakes. I am not afraid for people to think that I'm not perfect. And I really invite that in, actually, um, because I realized over the last few years that it's really the only way to truly heal yourself and to also free others is to really genuinely be who you are and admit what this human experience really is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I mean, the obvious difference too, is that I was talking about chronic illness in the beginning and now I talk about, you know, sitting on girls' faces. So it's like, <laughs> hi. <Yeah. laughs> that, is, that is quite a shift. <laughs> so, it's a lot different now, but it seems like you, and that's the thing too, with the, when I was hesitant about you stopping the show is that it's, you seem to really enjoy it, which is mm-hmm. hard. I'm sure to like quit a thing you enjoy, which I, I went through some of that in my life too. I get it. It's, I mean, feel like it's the right thing to do, but it's the hardest thing to do. Yeah. What are you going to miss the most about it? Yeah. Just the people. Um, always the people the people you know i really do i i don't enjoy the show anymore i really don't um i love the way it helps people but i realize that in continuing to do it longer than i want to it's just me being a martyr of like oh but people need it and they need me like (laughs) you guys can find resources it's self-righteous yeah also you're supporting a ton of people who also do very similar things yeah probably that are more passionate about that than you are about that's equally as passionate about providing the similar information that you are you are in they're still in it where you're you i think you it seems like to put words in your mouth here um find more value in amplifying their voices yes it's like okay here's like that was the biggest thing right finding resources, sharing them with people. Mm-hmm. You're still doing that. Like fundamentally hasn't changed. No. You don't have a microphone in your face as much. I mean, you're on more zoom calls than you are podcasts, but it's, you're still do you're still providing like, here are people that are doing this kind of work that you can find value in, in your life. Go. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. It's really about community for me. And I have found amazing men and women 
who I just think the world of. And I want to, like you said, amplify their voices and their platforms. Um, I think for me, I have so openly shared my life for so long, even before the podcast started. I'm tired. (laughs) I've just been so overly open. I am really seeking privacy, especially as we go into making babies and having Mm -hmm. this life. Um, It just really, it doesn't feel good to me to be so open. Um, And so I feel a sense of crossing my own boundaries and self-betrayal when I share. Um, And that's why I haven't really done a lot of solo episodes over the last six months because one, I haven't really felt the need. And two, I don't really have anything to say because what I have to say is for us and for my close friend group. Um, Processing out loud with thousands of people on a weekly basis just doesn't feel supportive for me. Yeah. And also, you know, I was talking to Katie Calder the other day and she really helped me see this, um, especially from just like a, a human design, my type, the way I just operate as a person. She was like, the thing about you, and this is something very true for two, four manifester is that we go in and we got to like dive into something and we have to test it out. And then once we figured out whatever we needed to figure out, we're done. And like that chapter is closed and I'm such a seeker and I'm a tester. And then I take whatever I learn and I share it with people and then I move on. And that's really what the podcast has been for me is this sense of seeking and testing things out and gathering as much information as I can. But I just feel like it's I, I've reached closure with it. I don't need to seek in that way anymore. Um, and so all that being said, back to your question, what I'm going to miss the most is the people. Um, later today, I'm actually doing my final interview for the show. And it's with um, this woman, Uma. And Uma has been a listener of the show for years. And she's been through so much. She's had cancer. She lost her voice. She was a singer. She couldn't sing anymore. She was just in a horrific car accident. Um, You know, she has been involved in some really like sketchy situations. She's just had like a really interesting hard life. And she's, she's a listener that I met and we met in person when we were in Dallas. Um, she flew out to LA for ceremony wellness live. She's like such a gem and I'm just so honored to have her on the show as my final guest. That's huge. I didn't know that. That's great. I got chills thinking about that. Yeah. And it just really feels full circle. And, um, I've just met so many amazing people that I'll never meet in real life that I'm like, God, these people know so much about me, you know, and I don't really know a lot about them except for the DMS that I get. Um, oftentimes like asking me questions or just letters of gratitude, um, for sharing and how I've helped them. And it means so much to me, but it's, I don't think that the listeners of this show really realize the impact that they've had on me and how much I've healed and changed, which is why I don't need it anymore. Yeah. You know, like that's why this is such a powerful space is podcasting is so intimate. And that's why I really like recommend it for people, especially when you're coaching and, and facilitating. It's like, there is nothing like a podcast in terms of intimacy that you can have with a community. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's truly changed me. And on top of that, I've met some of our closest friends through the show and many of our clients. Yeah. And so, I mean, for us, it's like, it's really shaped our lives and it's allowed us so much freedom and pleasure and fun and connection and, So I'm definitely, I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss just connecting with people and 
how much you you realize that that person to person connection and that sharing and that intimacy is there's like literally nothing like it. I mean, we did meet because of the shows. Yeah. Because of two shows that now will no longer exist. I know. Oh my god, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Wow. It's weird. You should tell everyone about how this went down. Because people <laughs> that t- listen now. No, we, people know. Do they? We, we need to tell a story. No, we tell that story numerous times. Okay. Okay. Basically, Kelly reached out to me to be on my podcast. That's and then here we are. Here we are. <laughs> that's the married and stuff. That's the uh, the abridged version. Yeah. <laughs> okay, babe. Um, just, okay, babe. Okay, babe. Um, <laughs> plug. We have a show called Okay, Babe. You should listen to. But yeah, I, I love reading ads with Connor. So we're gonna do these together because these are some amazing brands. Although. Connor, I have this feeling you don't actually know what a yoni egg feels like inside actually, of you. Actually, I've got one in my butt right now. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's great. Do you tell? It's big. It's like an ostrich egg. Oh, an ostrich egg. It's an ostrich yoni egg. Yeah, yeah. and is it expanding your anal pleasure? Yeah, it is. My prostate is on, it's on fleek right now. On fleek. Okay. <laughs> well, um, we're not selling anal yoni eggs for men today. I guess it would be an anal egg. Is that a thing? <laughs> I don't know. I well, there's that, if- there's that, uh, an arrows thing that we have in there, the prostate stimulator. Yeah. Why don't we ever use that? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I just keep looking at it thinking, mm, interesting. It's a, mm, it means a big delicious. hurdle to jump over. Yeah. I still haven't stuck my finger in your butt. Don't you have nails. It's not, I don't have nails. Well, you do sometimes. Well, also I- just, just not necessarily. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. But, um, do you remember me telling you that I started using Yoni eggs? I mean, you told me you were going to try one. Yeah. Well, a long I've, time ago. I've used them and what does it do? Okay. So it's really interesting. Everyone has a different experience, but mine feels like it's hitting my G spot and it like stimulates my clit from inside. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that is, but I find it to be a very enjoyable experience. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I haven't done this yet, but I want to, I want to masturbate with the yoni egg inside to see if I have a different stimulation. Just don't lose it up there. I will not. I have found that it is very easy to, to get, pull to out. There with the shot back I just kind of like bear down a little bit and then I just stick my middle finger up and I grab it and it comes out really easily. I don't have a string on the one that I use, um, but I'm obsessed. So I got my yoni egg from Yoni Pleasure Palace. And I'm obsessed with this brand. The founder is all about destigmatizing sex and pleasure um, and really helping people educate themselves around pleasure. So I love everything that she's created, but all of her um, sex toys and they have this um, like sacred uh, squirter glass dildo. They have a uh, sacred, waterproof sacred squirter. Yes. <laughs> I'm not super into the whole squirting thing, yeah, but some people are, um, they have a, a waterproof squirt blanket. Like they have everything. Um, but I'm really obsessed with the Yoni egg and I'm curious how much, you know, we did, um, somatic therapy together and you do Yoni mapping in that. I'm curious how much more as I use this egg, it's going to unlock some of the shutdown areas within my Yoni. I think it's a really powerful tool. So if you guys haven't used the Yoni egg um, before, I would highly recommend uh, Yoni Pleasure Palace. They have the very, very best on the market. You can go to yonipleasurepalace.com. Use my code Kelly T. You'll get 10% off your entire order. That's Yoni, Y-O-N-I, pleasurepalace.com. Code Kelly T will get you 10% off your order. Okay. So the other thing that I started implementing a few months ago, which I've really loved, you and I both 
have used mushrooms in many ways throughout the last few years of our lives. And a lot of mushroom powders on the market are actually crap. Did you know that? I mean, I assume that most things on the market are generally crap. They really are. the United States of America. Yes. And it's easy to lie about them. So oftentimes. What do you mean the FDA is not doing its job? Oh, shocking. (laughs) Politically homeless Connor. Do you mean there's ideological capture among the regulatory bodies? The fuck? That's in control of what we put in in our food and and supplements? You're insane. Weird, dude. Yeah. So basically most of these companies are fucking lying to you, which I'm not here for. So I actually got on on the phone with the founder of Everyday Dose. His name is Jack. He's so cool. Um, he has an incredible health story, which is why he started everyday dose, but we were talking about sourcing and he gave me this little, um, educational seminar on sourcing mushrooms and they source the very best. Um, and their product is such quality and you can feel it. I have never felt a mushroom blend or powder have an effect on me. Usually it's just like, it tastes good. Cool. Um, which means that they're covering it up with a bunch of like artificial ingredients and crap. Mm-hmm. This is completely clean. It doesn't have flavor. It tastes near coffee. Um, it's not the same as coffee, obviously I'm not going to lie to you, but it tastes so good and you can put different creamers in there. Sometimes I'll blend it with the Laird's creamer, which I love, which is a coconut base. Um, but it's really, really good. It's the highest quality, best sourced out there. And what I have noticed is the sustained energy I'm having throughout the day. So I know, you know, this cause I have to like kind of go on and off coffee, but I get really bad jitters and anxiety when I have caffeine. And so when I use the everyday dose, I don't get any jitters, no anxiety. Um, but the the energy I have to sustain throughout the day is ridiculous. I get so much shit done. I'm like, how is this possible? Yeah. Um, and so it's been a huge staple in my diet and every day. And so I'm really excited for everyone to try it out. So if you are looking for the best source mushrooms out there, you can go to everydaydose.com, use the code Kelly T and you'll get 65% off. Sourcing is super important. And a lot of places that you would think um, have great sourcing from the inside. I can tell you don't. Do <laughs> you would think, wow, their branding and what they talk about is really on point. And then you're like, Oh, it's fucking good marketing. Yeah. It's great marketing. That's why I you don't, got, you got to really know like what is going on. Like, where are they sourcing this? Where's the, like, who's doing it? It's like, Oh, they're slaves. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, not that, I don't know anybody who's doing using actual slave labor aside from Apple, but uh, and Nike, but, but that's um, where chocolate comes from. Did a lot you know of chocolate? That? Yeah. Diamonds. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things, uh, palm, palm oil, any of that mm-hmm. stuff like palm oil is the, one of the worst, like they just deforest. It's like ruining the animals. Amazon. Yeah, uh, it's funny. This company Unilever is one of the one of the most um, one of the most uh, one of the biggest culprits in that process. And they just bought this company that is about total human optimization. Isn't that funny? Oh, interesting. Weird how that works. Anyways, huh. throw a little shade. Do a little cool. googling, friends. Yeah, let's go. Figure out where shit's coming. They also from. own Ben and Jerry's. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, ste- the stewards of optimization. There you go. <laughs> um. Anyways. Jack and Everyday Dose are the fucking bomb. And uh, not only myself, but many of our hosts at Soulfire have also been using their products and they're obsessed. So we cannot recommend it enough. So go to everydaydose.com, code Kelly T, 65 motherfucking percent off. You're welcome. Okay, babe, I want you to tell everyone about the only CBD that we use in this house. Is it the only one? At this point. I mean, it's the only one I we, use. We for smoke sure. some CBD. That's right. I was like, yes. we have more CBD in here. Correct. correct. Uh, we have the CBD herb. Uh, herb. Yeah. Are talking about, talking about? Are you talking about uh, cured? We're nutrition? talking about cured. Are you talking about cured? I'm talking about cured. <laughs> cured. Well, first off, uh, Joe, 
is the founder of this company and his baby is very cute. That's how I read all my ads for them. Yes. Like this baby, you just, just because the baby is, it's like also there's like a small baby. It's the smallest baby I've ever seen. Well, Lauren's rel- so little. Relative to other sizes of normal, of the babies of the same age. <laughs> it's like a little, it's almost like what in the fuck is this little She's like, so and it's cute. like also adorable. Yes. It's the weirdest. It's the, I don't know. I don't know how it's just a strange. It's almost like fragile. And you see this little baby. I don't know. It's this crazy. is Connor infusing his fear of holding a fragile little newborn into this. Yeah, ad. but it's also like super small. Our babies are going to be gigantic. I know they're going to be very robust children. They're going to be like six months old and like like Teflon. Well, yeah, Lauren is maybe half my size, if that. <laughs> so yeah, not happening for you. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, that's Joe and Lauren's baby. Um, so. <laughs> They also make great CBD products. They make cute babies and great CBD products that are both gorgeous, by the way. True, true. <laughs> very well packaged. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I really like the cured stuff. And that's the thing is like CBD companies are a dime a dozen, right? I mean, let's just be honest about that. But yeah. they do a lot of their uh, compounding, things like that in Colorado, which is something for my own personal values. Like I love people that are creating jobs in the local economy, which is great. Like, so it's like a small local business type of vibe, mm-hmm. but they've done a really good job of putting together things that that are more I don't want to say curated but like focused on certain areas of the day I mean everything from yeah they have the, rise they have aura they have yeah, nighttime stuff yeah the euphoria like yeah. the drink uh the the sparkle, that. yeah that stuff's really delicious and um the pet stuff like it's just they have so many cool little things and they it's also really, have really that neat. solve you know I'm obsessed with yeah, that shit I like that I need to put it on my knee today but oh way. it's so um, good but yeah it's it's a really cool company. They did a really good job and they're just really good people. It's nice to be able to, cause so many of these companies that we read ads for or work with, like we get to talk to their founders, but we're like with cured. I've known of Joe for years and years. Like yeah. We did very similar things when I was in personal development. So we've, I've been in his like sphere of influence before and now we're homies. So it's, a, yeah, they're friends. They come over. We yeah, hang out. They're, they're really, they're really nice people. And, and knowing that they're also very genuine and, and focused and purpose driven. So that's, that's, that's really what I like about the company. I mean, the sourcing's great. Uh, the quality's great, full spectrum, all that kind of fun stuff. It's, there's no bullshit there. And uh, I think they do an amazing job. Yeah, I agree. So this is all we use. Um, and we are so obsessed with everything I have I use the raw CBD and the solve every single day. Um, it's a huge part of my life and I love gifting that to people as well. Cause I think it really does make an actual difference you can feel. So if you have not tried out cured, um, also great for gift giving, um, highly recommend you can go to curednutrition.com. The link will be in the show notes, but use the code Kelly T and you'll get 10% off and free shipping. Um, so load yourself up and you will truly feel the results. I mean, I will say this. This is always one of the pitches on my show. Yeah. Is they sponsor Politically Homeless, which is a very brave thing to do <laughs> yes, in it the is. modern climate. It's hard for us and to I- get sponsors for Connor sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> which, But that's the thing is, is when I think about the people that I really appreciate, right? The, the kind of comment, like I buy stuff from their or support their Patreon or whatever, because I know that it's how difficult it is to find people that are willing to like right. back independent content in that way. Right. Yeah. I mean, besides, aside from Pfizer, I really have no other sponsors. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Don't bring that on my show. Gross. Just, just kidding. I'm going to need that. No, but it's, out. it's really, it's really, it's really, Ugh. I think it's important to support companies that are willing to support independent con- content creators. And that does a lot for all of us, you know, I mean, didn't by Joe buy your sweatshirt? Joe bought a, switch, so uh, bought a sweatshirt. Cute. Yeah, I think he did. Mm. Yeah. Friends okay. supporting friends. That's what we're yeah, here for. It's great. Well said, babe. Okay. Thanks. But no, it is. I mean, it's, that's true. It's a weird part of all of it. Cause I mean, so many people that 
I am still close with. I met through like Mike Slimmy, for example. Yeah. That was like a podcast connection. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people like that. And it's really interesting. And I, I definitely relate to what you're talking about because, I mean, a lot of this had to do with COVID, but like whenever the realness ended, it was like a big part of, but I was also over it. I was over it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I've done enough of that. I've processed. I've talked about my own fucking life so much that I'm just like, I can't, I don't really want, because that's what it's all about. Yeah. When you're doing personal development shit, you're talking about either something you're processing or somebody, something in your life's processing or what's changing or what you've done before, or what you're about to do. It's like, okay. And it is, it's narcissistic in a way mm-hmm. and it can be really taught. I don't think in a bad way. I mean, I say that because it is kind of about you and you're viewing things through your own lens of perception, which by default means that you view yourself as like relatively special. So it is, there is some of that, but I don't think it's necessarily a, a bad thing. I think it has, it serves a purpose. Um, but you gotta be in it. You know, you gotta be like, if you're going to do that kind of shit, you've got to be really into it. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice to be able to be in a position where that led to you being able to not be in that anymore. Yeah. And I'm in the same situation. Like most people don't know that I used to do personal development stuff. That's the, that's what's funny to me is how fast it changes. That was two years ago. And it's like, they don't know, like no one, like people don't know that you, you were blew up as the political guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's weird. If people were like, well, you were a fucking life coach. I'm like, yeah, dog. Dating coach. Like, <laughs> Dating coach too. Yeah. yeah. It was super, it was, I had so much fun doing it and it worked, you know, mm-hmm. but it was like, is this, is this, and that's the biggest question too. And I think where this, why it started to make sense to me because I did a very similar thing. It looks different, but it is very similar. And we're like, is this the best thing that I could do for people? For right. myself or anybody else. Right. Like it like at the end of the day, there's other people doing this better than me. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Because they it's not because they're better, it's because like they care about it more than I do, if right. we're being completely honest. And it's really their purpose and their path. And yeah. you had a very different purpose and path. You hadn't really you didn't know what it I was. I should have yet. started doing this shit that I'm doing now in twenty fifteen. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's when I was like getting to the point to be able to do it. But it's like you look back and you're like, all right, cool, now let me do it now. You know? Yeah. Well, I and, think too, I just wanna say something this triggered something in me is I think part of what I've witnessed in you since you left personal development and the realness podcast and and what that looked like into what you do now is your personal personal development your journey that you are on is my favorite word embodied you're actually (laughs) living these things rather than constantly processing them yeah Rather than feeling like, okay, I need to journal this and then I'm going to share it on the podcast and then I'm going to have someone on to talk about it and then I'm going to go do ayahuasca and then maybe it will be complete, right? It's like you actually are just living and walking and breathing all of the work that you've done for so long. When it's fucking exhausting. Yeah. That's the thing too. It's like you don't know till afterwards, like in doing the stuff that you like working for soul fire or talking about the cesspool that is politics. It's like, it's exhausting, but it's like, okay, I'm tired. I'll try to go like play halo for a minute and then, you know, go to sleep. And then tomorrow I wake up fine. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's not this comp- perpetual continual thing that never really stops. Like if I do mushrooms and that's why I don't do a lot of this stuff anymore as much because it's like, I had to fucking talk about it for two weeks mm-hmm. and I'm like, I don't really want. And even when I would do ayahuasca, the funny thing was, and I think you had, we had the similar experience where it's like, I've got to find a way. It's like my responsibility to find a way to articulate this in a way that makes sense, which is already challenging enough with ayahuasca, but you can do it. You can pull out some nugs and like make a kind of a narrative thread through your yeah. whole experience. I don't have to do that anymore. If I want to go to Costa Rica and do ayahuasca, I can tell my friends like what kind of what happened, but I don't, I don't have any obligation. I'll probably bring it up on the show, but I don't have any obligation to do a two hour long episode about my profound revelations that may impact somebody. It's like, I don't fucking need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like there's enough the charlatans out there selling that shit. If I, if they, they want to do it. It's not, I don't need to. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's liberating. And I know this is about you. 
I'm trying to like overlay my experience here because I think it's actually what I'm seeing now in this conversation is that it correlates more than I thought it did, yeah. which is when it started to make sense to me as your husband now, mm-hmm. um, which is still odd to say for some reason, <laughs> since you have a more on your driver's license now. I Crazy. Um, no, but looking at that and saying like, yeah, it's, it's, it's curious. I'm curious what will happen with the energy that goes into that. Cause it's so energetically expensive mm-hmm. to do that kind of work. What happens when you can just focus on other shit, right? And of course, like being parents and that kind of stuff is also going to be an energetic drain. Mm-hmm. And uh, people might be saying this, but children are a burden. <laughs> because, <laughs> Please don't at me if you want to take up this problem with Connor, do so. But I don't want to hear about it. Um, yeah, no. It's, like, it's a lot. And it's so it's true. like, what can you do? How much, like, the amount of fucks that you give for your podcast, right? Which is substantial. Now those are free, mm-hmm. right? To go back into Soulfire or go into whatever else. So there's a lot of like, you get to take a new version of yourself that kind of grew through the podcast, little cocoon of your podcast into that, into like this person you are now. Then you get to now free up a bunch of energetic capital to invest in other things. Yeah, Like that's really cool. That's a cool thing to do throughout your life. I think mm-hmm. it's really interesting. Whether Whatever your job is, right? It's like, you work this job, you gain a bunch of skills. And then all of a sudden, like you get laid off because of COVID or you f- quit because the job market's great. And you're like, oh, wow, I can go like continue pushing myself outside my boundaries in a very different way. Mm-hmm. But using the skill set that I've acquired over that time. Yeah, it's, it's really fucking cool. It is. And I, I like that you bring it up in that way because it just feels like I'm ready for a new set of challenges. And my mom always said as I was growing up, that I was always ready for the next thing. You know, I skipped seventh grade. I was ready to go to high school. I was always, I was ready to go to college. I went at 17. I was always just like kind of climbing this ladder and ready, ready, ready. And I think now I really am so much more present than I've ever been. And I'm so grateful for where we are. And I truly have a life that is beyond my wildest dreams. I never dreamed this up, what we have. And it's so incredible and it feels so good and I'm, I'm just ready for a new challenge. And I, I got bored and that's why soul fire has been so great because it's a challenge every day. Cause I literally don't know what I'm doing. Well, and the thing, the thing that you're doing <laughs> changes all the time yes. too. So there's a lot, it's hard to be bored. Like same thing with what I do. It's like, it's, there's always, when it comes to media or content or whatever, mm-hmm. always changing. Like, yeah. well, this new thing came out and was like, you, I had no idea. Yeah. You know? And it's, it's, I've strategized for myself for four years of growing the show and doing these things. And it's been incredibly successful. And I have these dope brand deals and work with the most amazing people. And now I get to strategize and be a visionary for our clients. And that is my fucking favorite thing. Mm -hmm. I get off on it so hard. Like I am like so happy after I get off onboarding calls and analysis calls because the shit I come up with for other people, I'm like, (laughs) I was telling you the other day, I'm like, I never anticipated this would be such a gift of mine and I'm so good at it and I just really enjoy it and it is challenging and I I do have to seek deeper within myself to you know come forward with these things and I'm I'm excited for what else I get to birth into the world because of this. And I I realized this the other day and I'm doing a final episode by myself um that'll come out a week after this and what I, what I am going to talk about more in that show is this idea of the podcast has been my baby for four years. I birthed it. I gave it all (laughs) of my energy. You know, I held it, I fed it, I watched it grow. I let it evolve. I learned so much with it. And now it's time to set it free. It's time to like, let it go off to college, you know? And, and in doing that, in releasing that, I'm ready to have a baby, you know? 
And I realized, I was like, oh, this podcast has been my child and now it's set free. And so now I can actually have a human baby and give all of that energy and time and lessons learned into that experience with you. Um, and so that's, that's what it feels like. You're right. It's like all these fucks that have been going out into this thing. I now get to kind of bring together and decide, okay, where do I want to give it? And I think the other thing too, I was actually thinking this morning about is just this idea of simplifying my life. I think that it's, it's still a little overly complicated yeah, and full of things that don't necessarily need to be there. And part of removing this podcast is that I get to over the next month um, that we're not working and, and doing, you know, IVF stuff. And I'm just going to be at home and I get to sit with what is it that I actually want mm-hmm. and what gets to go. And I did that when I left my TV career before I started the podcast, I was at home cause I was really, really sick for about five months. And I changed everything during that time. And I feel like that's kind of what is coming over the next month or so is this cocooning into a rebirth of what does my life get to look like now? What goes, what stays, what's a priority and how can I simplify this in a way that makes me feel really good? Yeah. And the funny thing is too, with what you're doing now, it, none, you couldn't, you couldn't do any of the things that you're doing now without having done the podcast for as no. long as It's all because of, I thought that's like a foundational piece of, strategy stuff, especially because you don't have, you didn't have context on what that was beforehand. Yeah. Well, even like, I look at the name of the show, the Kelly show. I wanted my own show for so long. And I just was always told, you're not good enough. You haven't been doing this long enough. You don't know enough. Like it's not time. And so I said, fuck you. I'm doing my own fucking show. <laughs> and I named it the Kelly show. Cause I didn't know what else to do. Right. It's like, I just kept changing it cause nothing felt right. And I think that I, and upon your encouragement, which I'm so grateful for, I think I named it the Kelly show because I had to prove to myself that I could do this thing. Well, I did tell you to t- name it the Kelly show, like way before week, I wait, did wait, 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 a week of like meeting you in real life. I know. <laughs> Cause you're like, I'm gonna change the name of the show. And I was like, why don't you call it the Kelly show? Yep. But I had to do ceremony while like, first. That was very important. <laughs> that was my like ayahuasca part of Kelly. Yeah. And then I had a sold out event of 150 people like out of nowhere. And it was amazing, you know, but I, I feel like I did that. And now looking back is I had to create that for myself. I had to prove to myself, you're smart enough. You're worthy. You deserve this. You're creative. Like you can hold your own on your own show. Mm-hmm. And I did that and I, I exceeded my own expectations. And that's kind of what I did with Soulfire as well, which is why I have removed myself from the middle. Another evolution. I had, I, I didn't think I was smart enough or capable to start a media company. And so I had to go do it to prove that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And it's why. I am doing the investing stuff now and I want to buy companies and I want to, you know, do Airbnbs and all these things is when I, it's, this is so interesting. I've never thought about this until right now. So thank you for bearing with me and my final processing of the Kelly show. It's when I feel inadequate and have insecurities, I have to prove to myself that I can do it. And I almost have to prove that those insecurities are bullshit. And then once I see it, I'm like, okay, (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of how I've been with threesomes. Yeah. It's so funny 
two weeks ago, you went on a date with some girl who mm-hmm. I didn't know her name. I didn't know what she looked like. I literally knew nothing about her. And I like sent you on your way. <laughs> and I've gotten to a point now where I, I mean, I'm still insecure. Let's be serious. But I've worked through it so much that I'm like, yeah, go do your thing. And I don't even think about it. I didn't even think about it while you were gone. And you just wanted me to get away from you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It, I feel like that's kind of how I've operated is proving my insecurities wrong and yeah. then seeing how capable, how smart, how strong I am. Like, oh, I can handle that. And then I just kind of move on. And then it's just like a non-issue anymore. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks for letting me talk that out. This is your show, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> but it has changed a lot. I mean, you've changed a lot. Yeah, tell me more about that, Connor. I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to make words out of it. Husband. I'm husband. Yes, I am husband. He's husband on my phone. That's his name. Are you serious? Yeah. (laughs) I like it. I don't even put anybody's, I don't put anybody's like names, like, like, uh, not, I put everybody's like legitimate real name in my phone. Yeah. Even your mother. My mom's Robin. Yeah. My granddad's is Robbie Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Your dad is in there as dad. Dad. Yeah. It's weird. And your brother is bro. bro. Yeah. And then Darren's just like his nick defunct. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. Uh, so, but I never called my mom, Mm-mm. mom really. Called your grandmother, mom. Yeah, so it's confusing. Yeah. It's a confusing little hodgepodge of people. Uh, I always thought Robbie Joe was a funny. That's what I always called him, anyways. It's yeah, a joke. Uh, but anyway, so what are you talking about <laughs> how <laughs> much just, I've changed. The coffee just hit me. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely a much more relaxed way of being for the most part. Which is cool. And I think that also led you into things that you wouldn't have ever let yourself do. Otherwise, that in turn became part of your show, then part of the, your life, and then part of the message that you're putting out in the world. I think it would let a, a piece of cur- some curiosity too about things that were, wasn't really there before and not thinking that you knew everything. And then I kind of have this like, you know, nothing <laughs> slash everybody knows nothing. Nobody knows anything, mm-hmm. which gets me in trouble a lot. <laughs> but it's also just kind of how I feel about things. I'm like, we don't know shit. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's my psychedelic experience kind of manifests is like, well, you don't know. It's all bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's all bullshit. The it's sign like a sign behind, behind his me. head. <laughs> it's like certainty is the biggest problem. Yeah. I feel like certainty is one of the biggest problems in anything. Mm-hmm. If you're certain that, you know. Jesus was the son of God, or if you're certain that Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree for 7,000 days or whatever the fuck it is, like, it doesn't matter what it is. If you're certain this thing is the thing, right? If you're certain that astrology is 100% real, that's a problem. I feel like, mm-hmm. and it may be that rubbed off on you. I don't know. Oh, for sure. You've definitely but had it's a like, huge but influence. The, the benefit of that is like, okay, if you think that like certainty is generally speaking a cancer, which I do. Right. Certainty that in my own world that like Democrats are good and Republicans are bad or vice versa. Right. It's like the whole thing in my way. It's like then if you eliminate certainty from your life in that way, or that, you know, that something's going to happen, which are essentially circumventing expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. Because then you confirmation bias yourself into believing whatever you need to believe to then perpetuate your own beliefs. So if you do that, then you like the only thing that backfills that like vacuum in your own world is curiosity. Cause now you're like, well, if I'm not certain of anything, then I'm curious about everything by default, or you lose your fucking mind. One or the other, right? Some people can do it. Some people can't. Some people need the structure, but I don't think you need that structure necessarily is my own like observation of you. Um, but it's hard for you because you're 
you were certain of many, many things in your life. Yes, I was. But in similar to me, the things that you were seem to be so certain of, right? Like for example, and I keep using the religion one as a big part because like, but that's generally a trait of religious thinking. I got a tattoo of a cross on my back when I was 18 years old thinking like, well, I know people regret tattoos, but there's no, this isn't going to change. This isn't going to change about me. I'm not going to change my beliefs about this thing. I love my son, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, am I ever going to not be like, no way, crazy, right? It's like, oh, wow. Like that whole like house of cards came crumbling down. Yeah. Like, and what's on your back now? Like, like three and a half years later, you know, now it's a bunch of flowers. Yes. It's like, well, this, and it was something I could fit to the, like anything to get that thing off me because I felt like it was a misrepresentation of who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, but like, I think you have to have that kind of disillusionment. Like I used to call that when my personal development, like personal, personal development days, like the power of disillusionment mm-hmm. where you have this idea and then all of a sudden like it all kind of comes like you see, it's just, it's the wizard of Oz. Maybe that's, I used to watch the wizard of Oz. That was my favorite movie when I was like a baby, baby, like a little kid. Maybe that's why. Right. Because mm-hmm. you see who's behind the fucking curtain yeah. and it's just some dude spinning things and pushing buttons and like playing a character. And it's like, oh, wow, like this is the house of cards just came crumbling down. So now you got to be like, well, you're in charge of your own fucking heart and your own brain and your own courage, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like get it together, <laughs> you know? And I think there's that, that's a really beautiful part of life. And I think with you noticing that is like you had new, many of those kind of happen over and over again, you know? And that led to you being a more resilient and curious human being, which in my own biased view is a, a better way to live. Yeah. In my opinion. Right. And I don't want to think that it's like, that's all me. It was already happening, but I just kind of like jumped in in the middle of the hurricane. You know what I mean? Well, you <laughs> came in fucking wild and free and made me question everything. And you never forced your opinions or beliefs upon me. You have just been so um, strongly rooted in your curiosity that I, I've witnessed you in that. And it has by default asked me to go within and ask better questions. And it has changed me. And yes, I, I do believe that I have leaned more your way into life, but I also believe you've leaned a lot more into my way in a lot of ways. It just depends on the area of Correct. life. Like there's different, you know, do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think factor of life, faction of life. That's actually amazing. And why we have worked and why we are where we are is because we have learned so much from each other and our relationship is built on the foundation of respect. Yeah. And because of that, we trust each other. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes are able to see things that the other person is not able to. And so though uncomfortable, we can really rely on each other to sort of mirror things to one another and to expand because of that. And I really do feel like that's why I am where I am is because I've learned so much from you in terms of being more risk taking and being more free and kind of wild and not planning and Mm -hmm. seeing what happens and not having (laughs) expectations and not defining something and not going in with some story and not overthinking things. You know, you overthink things sometimes, but for the most part, you just don't. And I only over, only overthink things when they really matter to me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But for the most part, you just like let things kind of slide through and 
that has been really challenging for me. And it's, it's still a really challenging part of our relationship. It's why I love you and also why I hate you at the same time. And like, <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? But it has really allowed me to open up within myself and expand and just ask better questions. Again, I, it just always comes back to that for me is how can I ask myself better questions and be more honest? And I think about, um, I don't even remember what it was, but I kind of had a meltdown a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago with you. And I was just standing, you were sitting on the couch and I just broke down crying. And I just said, I'm so embarrassed because you had, you were calling me out for some things. And at first my response was to be angry and like combative. And then I sat with it and I just kind of saw my life flash before my eyes and what I was doing. I was like, I was looking at it from above. And I was like, whoa, he's right. And it made me so uncomfortable. But then I was so embarrassed at the way I was acting. And it really, it shows me just how much I'm willing to take responsibility for myself and my mm. willingness to grow. And you've been such a mirror in that. And I, I just, you know, I think that's why our relationship is amazing. And I, at the end of the day, I think it's why individually we've grown so much in three years together because we've, we've really helped each other amplify the best versions of ourselves mm. yeah interesting mm -hmm. it's really weird life's weird life's man. weird yeah i mean i can't i can't believe that you have a mountain lion in your yard oh my god fuck you <laughs> we'll talk about it on okay babe yeah we will it's not for this but mm -hmm. it's just like it, it, when you were saying like i can't i can't imagine myself being here i was like yeah <laughs> it's a trip but yeah i think you know i think when we look at the whole thing I'm excited for where it's going to go. And again, I think because you're more comfortable in uncertainty, it allows you to do things like this, like pull the trigger on this. And of course you need to be sure that you want to move on from the thing, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of question marks, you know? Yeah. Cause we try things like renting our house out in Denver and that sucks. And we hated it. And then we're trying to get, now we gotta, it's like, but that's going to be part we're going to have that happen with whatever the next thing is. It might happen yeah. that way. And then we'll find it. You just got to keep like, hitting the whack-a-moles until you find one that makes sense, you know? Well, and that, just to say, I realized, um, and this is not to blame anyone because it it's not right or wrong, but my gut and intuition told me that we had to sell that house. And then I let a bunch of people influence me and tell me that that was wrong and that we needed to rent it because that was the move. And my whole body said no to that. But then I was like, well, a bunch of people that I respect have different opinions. So I'm going to go with that. And I betrayed my gut, but you have to try. We, yep. And it's fine. And I learned, but the fucking moral of the story is to trust <laughs> your gut and intuition. And that yeah. is a huge part of what I've learned in this podcast too. Yeah. Is to trust my gut and intuition because that is all we have, you know, that's all we have. And it's not always going to be right. And it's not about right or wrong. And uh -huh. we learn the lessons and you know, all the things but it's just so funny. It's such a tangible thing right in front of me. And that the universe keeps like showing me all these chaotic problems. And this morning I just told you, I text you. I'm like, I'm done because it was like, how much more obvious is this? Yeah. <laughs> what more no, do you it's need? Great. And I think it was, I think, I think it was, it helps out because the way that inflation is going right now and home prices are up like 3.6%. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's like, it is what it is. Yeah. But I think it's probably the best thing that we waited a little while. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's strange. And I think I'm really curious, again, like I'm really curious to see where that goes. Mm -hmm. And I think you're more prepared for it now because you're very much like the leader in that aspect of our relationship. Mm -hmm. So, which is great. And I prefer it that way because it's, that leaves me time to do 
and energy to do other things that I actually give a shit about that. And that you're great my, at. Suit my skill set. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which apparently cryptocurrency is not one of those no. things. No, I'm just kidding. Not, there's no way to predict that shit. But um, yeah, I mean, this is, it's a weird, it's a weird time in both of our lives with a lot of, a lot of question marks and a lot of who knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited for what's to come. I mentioned um, we're doing more investing and in some different business things um, while uh, about to blow soul fire the fuck up. <laughs> um, I'm really excited about that. We have some amazing plans in front of us and people we're working with to support that. And I'm working on something really fucking magical with, my girlfriends. Yeah. Um, we were just in Nashville actually writing things down for the first time and building this out. And it's going to be unlike anything else that is out there. No one mm-hmm. has done this. No one has created this. And that is going to be, I, I really feel, and we kind of said this when we were together in Nashville is we feel like this is, this is what we were meant to be here for is to create this and to create it together. And that's part of why I also don't want to do the show anymore is because it's about me and it has been about me and I am ready to do things that are about the collective and that are curated by the collective, which is why we're keeping okay, babe. And we're going to ramp that up. Actually, we're going to do more episodes of that. I promise we'll be more consistent. Sorry. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and also creating all of this with the girls because it feels good to collaborate for me. I really love it. And I realize now, and this is one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the last few years, is I don't have to do things alone. I'm not meant to. And there are people that are smarter than me and more talented than me and see things differently than me, which is why I love you so much. You see the world so different than I do. (laughs) And that really allows me to learn and become a better version of myself. And so all I do is surround myself with people who are amazing, who I get to learn from. And then we get to create cool shit together. You know, it's why I love having Sam as our COO of Soulfire. Sam and I are very different, although similar in some ways, like the way we operate is so different and she's so incredible at things that I get a headache even thinking about. And so I've just become, and I think this is in my maturity. I'm 34 now is I, I don't have jealousy of, oh God, Sam's so amazing at this. I'm not good at it. I'm not good enough. You know, it's like, yeah. no, Sam's amazing at this. Don't fucking touch it. Like let her do her thing. And that's how I feel with us. That's how I feel with the girls. It just feels so collaborative and it feels like a much higher frequency of operating. And I really love that feeling. I like it, babe. <laughs> well, congrats. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm so super stoked that Uma gets to be your last guest. That's really great. I know. R.I.P. Kelly Show. R.I.P. The Kelly Show. It'll still be out there. It will. Living on, doing its thing. Yep. (sighs) I'm happy for you. Thanks, babe. I love you. Thanks for being on this journey with me. No problem. Of course. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Full circle. (laughs) From one of our first times hanging out to now we're married. You're sitting on the first podcast we did. (gasps) You're sitting on the same couch. Oh my God. And the couch that you wanted to get rid of. By the way, that I said, absolutely not. That's the content couch. And here we are. But now I'm in a chair, not on the floor. You are. And we're in our amazing home. <laughs> oh, God. But I called you, what I called you, a, 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 some kind of giraffe. A, ma- a, a majestical majestic giraffe. giraffe. <laughs> oh, I'm going to make sure that Kaylee links our first episodes that we did together. So you guys can listen. They're actually very good. Yeah, that was, a, that was a long time ago. Baby Kelly and Connor. She's doing her thing. Being cute. Mm. People were like, are y'all dating? And I was like, shh. 
Yeah. Sam knew she, she slacked me when I was with my old production company. Yeah. Sam was doing the show notes for my show <laughs> and she, she messaged me and she was like, um, I'm sorry. Are you two dating? And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. She was like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah. And Josh was doing my little your audiograms. audiograms. He did your audiograms back then. He did. The whole whole squad. Kaylee was Kaylee at the other the other company too? Yeah, I don't know. She I think she was working on my show. I'm not sure who was doing what, but yeah. Good times. So good. Well, good I love times. you so much. Love you too, baby. Thank you. See y'all later. Bye.